We got a brand new one I'm going to share with you tonight. Are you ready? Goes like this. You make the blind man see. Make the lame man walk again. You cause the dead to rest. And that's why we dance in liberty. Cause you're doing it all again. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're doing it all again.
Hey there, Converge Nation, Pastor Ray here. Listen, it is a brand new year and I would be remiss if from the outset I didn't take a moment to wish you and yours a happy brand new year. 2021 is upon us. 2020 is behind us. And that means you and I have a brand new beginning, new opportunities, a fresh start, and brand new possibilities to experience the fullness of God's blessing, the fullness of God's favor in Jesus' name. You know, this morning I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to the Philippians uh, as recorded in Philippians chapter 3 where he said, forgetting the things that are behind. Listen, we forget in order to forge ahead. He said, forgetting the things that are behind, I press. Uh, that word press denotes some resistance, but our persistence always outlasts the enemy's resistance. So Paul says, listen, this year in 2021, this is what you're going to do. Number one, you're going to forget what's behind. You're going to press. You're going to forge ahead in order to lay hold of the things for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of you, and that is to reach the mark of the prize of the high calling which you and I have in Christ Jesus. Listen, sometimes you got to let go in order to lay hold, and sometimes we miss God's best for our life because we go through life holding on with a clenched fist, and God says, I want you to let go so you can lay hold. And that's our prayer for you this year, Converge Nation. We are super excited. 2021 is ahead of us. 2020 is behind us. And we believe that 2021 for Converge Nation, uh, for you and everyone connected to you, this will be a banner year. I'll say that again. We're believing, Pastor Wendy and I, our leadership team, our intercessors, uh, our partners and our friends are believing that 2021 will truly be a banner year for you and everyone and everything connected to you. You say, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? Banner year. A banner year is defined as a year that is marked by strong successes, productivity, fruitfulness, and profitability. I'll read that again. A banner year, and this is what we're praying for you. This is what we're trusting God for in 2021, that 2021 will be a banner year, a year that is marked by strong successes. Come on, somebody. Productivity, fruitfulness, and profitability. You know, I think the psalmist said it best in Psalm 65 and verse 11 when he wrote that, God, you crowned the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. And so our part is simply to align our lives with what God has already purposed, with what God has already planned, because his paths, not ours, his paths drip with abundance, with provision, with blessing. Now, here's the one caveat, word of caution. The scripture tells us in the gospels uh, that there's a broad road uh, that leads to destruction and many there be that take it. But there is a narrow path. <laughs> the path that drips with God's provision and his blessing and his abundance and the free favors. Where the free favors of God profusely abound, it's a narrow path. And few there be that find it, but it leads to life. So we're believing, we're decreeing, 
we're declaring, we're praying that 2021, y'all, is going to be a banner year. And I, I hope you can sense the excitement, and here's why. 2021 is a banner year for Converge Church for a couple reasons. This is a milestone year because this year we celebrate not only the first anniversary of Converge Church, that's right, we are one year old. 12 months ago today, we launched as Converge Church. And so this month, we're celebrating one year of God's faithfulness. What is also true is that this year, 2021, we get to celebrate 10 years of God's faithfulness to us as an organization. So we're going to, listen, we're going to do it big. Uh, I can't give away all the details now, <laughs> but there's planning in the works. There's preparation in the works for us to celebrate our one-year anniversary as Converge Church, but 10 years cumulatively, collectively, as a church body. So listen, we're excited about all God has in store for this year. It's truly going to be a banner year. Notice what the scripture says in Mark chapter 6, and we're going to get into the message here shortly, but I really feel like I need to prime the pump to set your expectations, right, for you to level up in your faith and expectation of God this year. Notice what Mark chapter 6 verses 12 through 13 in the message paraphrase declare. Speaking of the disciples, it said they preached with joyful urgency, come on somebody, that life can be radically different. Oh, I love that. They preached with joyful urgency that life, your life, my life, after 2020, <laughs> in the aftermath of 2020, can be radically different. But I want to qualify and quantify that. Because we don't only want life to be radically different, our expectation is that life will be radically better. Let me give you some scripture for that. Notice what the psalmist declared in Psalm 90 and verse 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, give us gladness. This is a psalm of Moses, and I love it. It is a picture of God bringing the Israelites out of bondage into the wilderness and ultimately into the land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses prayed as he shepherded this flock of about two to three million Israelites as they sojourned, as they traversed through the wilderness. He prayed and it's recorded in Psalm 90 and verse 15, give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Hey, I don't know what 2021 felt like, looked like, what your experiences were, but just as Moses prayed, we're praying for you. We're praying for us that God will give us, come on somebody, that God will give us gladness in proportion to our former misery, that he will replace the evil years with good. Ah, I don't know what life has looked like, what it's felt like, what it's been like up until now. Maybe it wasn't 
just 2020. Maybe it's been the last five years. Maybe it's been the last 10 years. But we're praying for you that this will be a banner year, a year marked by strong successes, productivity, fruitfulness, and profitability, and that God will give you gladness in proportion to your former misery, that he will replace the evil years with good. Let me give you scripture and verse so that you don't think this is just a figment of my imagination. We're standing on the word this year that your 2021 will be radically different, but it will also be radically better. Psalm 126 Verses 1 through 3, and then again verses 5 through 6. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Right now, as you stand right here at the beginning of 2021, it may all seem like a dream. Come on, Biggie. It was all a dream. I used to read. Y'all finish it. Uh-huh. It may seem like it's all a dream, but in 2021, you will stand in the reality of the promise of God. He will replace the evil years with good, and he will give you gladness according to your former misery. In Jesus' name. Verse 2 declares, then our mouth was filled with laughter. There's laughter coming to your house again. There's joy coming to your heart again. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength in 2021 and beyond in Jesus' name. And our tongue was filled with singing. They said among the nations, the Lord... Listen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Let me tell you why this is going to be a banner year. It's not just about you. It's not only about what God will do in you. It's not only about what God will do for you. Ultimately, it's about God doing it so that he can get the glory for himself. People will observe People will take note of your life and they will say with their lips, both friend and foe, both adversary and enemy will declare because of what God does in you this year, this banner year, 2021. My goodness, the Lord has done this for them. And you will say, like the Israelites said, the Lord has done this for us and we are glad. But the verse goes further. The passage goes further in verses 5 and 6, and it helps us understand who this promise is for. This promise, this banner year promise, this banner year declaration belongs to those who have sown in tears. Hey, the word of God declares that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Have you sown in tears? You were simply watering your seed in 2020 for the harvest of God's faithfulness that you will reap in 2021. Can I get an amen? Come on, Conversion Nation. You need to get excited that those tears that you sowed in secret were simply your way of watering the seed that will become a harvest in 2021. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Come on, I just had an old school moment. Bringing in the sheaves. Y'all know it. 
but I digress. So listen, that is our expectation. That is going to be our experience. Not just our expectation of God, but it will be our experience with God in 2021. And that's where we have set our faith. Glory to God. Now, everything I just said was just the introduction to my message because here's the why. Here's the why. We will experience this banner year that we're expecting. Listen to that. We will experience the banner year that we're expecting because of the alignment and the posture and the position of our hearts in this season, which is simply three words, Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. And because your life and my life is rightly aligned with the person of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we will experience all that he has purposed, planned, and promised. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15 and verse 1. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He goes on to say, apart from him, we can do no thing. But if we abide in him and allow his word to abide in us, listen, we become an unstoppable force for good. And because we are making this intentional, deliberate, strategic, and sincere decision right now in January of 2021 to embrace Jesus over everything, what we have done is we have connected our lives to the source of all good things, who is Jesus. And because of that, we can expect this year to be a year of strong successes, productivity, fruitfulness, and profitability. We're going to dive into the text as we kick off our first sermon series of 2021, which is Supreme. <laughs> Supreme. And we're going to look to the text as we turn to Colossians chapter number one, which is our anchor text, not only for this series, but it is our anchor text for 2021 as we exalt Jesus over everything. So if you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1. We'll begin at verse number 15. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, the New King James Translation of the Holy Scriptures. Now, before I forget, this is the first Sunday of the month, so it is Communion Sunday. Uh, we will be celebrating the Lord's table. We will be participating in communion together uh, at the end of the message. So make sure you have your communion elements, uh, some bread, some wine, some grape juice, a wafer, a cracker, so that we can celebrate all that Jesus did for us through the cross. Amen? Uh, so we're in Colossians chapter number 1. Uh, before we dive into the text, let me just give you a little bit of a backdrop to what we're about to read. This is Paul's epistle. It's his letter, what's often referred to as one of the prison epistles to the church at Colossae. Uh, Paul uh, wrote several letters uh, during his confinement uh, in prison in Rome. At, at least historically, we know that he was imprisoned two different times. Uh, Bible scholars and historians believe that the letter to the Colossian church that we're about to read was written during his first 
imprisonment in Rome. His first imprisonment was a house arrest where he was chained to a Roman soldier, but he could still receive guests. He could still receive visitors. It is on one of these occasions, uh, upon hearing of what was happening in the church at Colossae uh, and also the church at Ephesus, which is about a hundred miles west of Colossae, that Paul penned three epistles. He was a prolific and profound thinker and writer. On this occasion of the, his first imprisonment, he is visited by Epaphras. Epaphras is one of his protégés, uh, one of his mentees who had come to faith in Christ, Bible scholars believed, during Paul's ministry in the church at Ephesus. And, and so Epaphras comes to visit Paul, and Epaphras is now the founding pastor He's a church planter, and he plants this church in his hometown of Colossae. But they are having significant issues in this new church plant. Now, a hundred miles west in Ephesus, they had a burgeoning congregation in the city of Ephesus, and they had their own unique issues. But this letter is Paul's response to some very unique challenges in the church at Colossae. And this is one of those epistles that is considered uh, a response epistle uh, or an occasion epistle because Paul is writing this epistle to a specific audience, the church at Colossae, and in response to a specific crisis. There are two other categories of the Pauline letters. Uh, one of them is personal. There were some personal epistles that Paul wrote. He wrote personal epistles to Timothy. First and Second Timothy. He wrote a personal epistle to Titus, and on this first, uh, uh, during his first imprisonment, he also wrote a personal epistle to Philemon, in whose home, check this out, the church at Colossae met. But then there's also what was called cyclical or circular epistles, and these were epistles that were circulated among all the churches. So they weren't necessarily written to a specific church. They weren't necessarily written to address a specific crisis or crises. These were letters from the heart of Paul uh, written to multiple churches that were circulated. The church at Colossae receives this epistle in direct response to this crisis that they are experiencing here in the church at Colossae. And you say, Pastor Ray, what was their experience? Now, it's important to note that Colossae... Uh, uh, when, the, when, the, when the city was first founded, was right on a major trade route. Uh, so there were people who traversed this trade route. They went back and forth. Uh, there was commerce, and it was very vibrant. And then people who traveled that route often settled in Colossae. But something happened, uh, and that was a new road, a, a, a sort of an offshoot or a a vein was added to this trade route that took uh, 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 travelers, and not only travelers, but also uh, uh, business people and traders around Colossae. So whereas Colossae, once upon a time, was a place where everyone stopped, now Colossae was just a, a, a faint memory uh, of the past. They were no longer as significant and as relevant as they once were. Uh, in fact, uh, Colossae was where people used to go. 
And so they're having sort of this crisis where they're no longer significant, they're no longer as relevant as they once were. But they're also dealing with the remnant of being a cos- once upon a time a cosmopolitan city. And with them being a cosmopolitan city, there was this influx of different belief systems, different traditions, different practices that had now woven their way, that had made their way into the psyche, into the fabric and the culture of the church at Colossae. So at one point, at one time in history, it was a very cosmopolitan city. People came from all over the region. Uh, People came to live there, but they brought with them their own belief systems and traditions. So the church at Colossae, even though it started with a very strong Christ-centered, Jesus-over-everything mandate, was now seeing that the gospel that they had been preaching was being mixed with a whole lot of other stuff. And people had started to ask themselves the question, is Jesus really enough? Is Jesus all that there is? And I would venture to say that what they were experiencing in Colossae is a lot like what people are experiencing and even pondering and considering and thinking today. Jesus can't be the only way. There is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is just relative. Your truth is just as valid as my truth. And Epaphras, as a young pastor, is beginning to struggle because they had learned in the church at Ephesus Jesus is Lord. They had learned that Jesus alone is the way. Jesus alone is the truth. Jesus alone is the life. But over time, they began to wrestle and began to struggle with this infiltration of other doctrines, of the philosophies and the traditions of men. And so Epaphras in his frustration, comes to his mentor, pleads with him to reason with his congregation. And this is the result of that conversation that Epaphras has with his mentor. Beginning, in that verse, beginning at verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1, we see Paul beginning to establish this idea, number one, of Jesus over everything. And secondly, that Jesus is enough. In fact, say that with me. Jesus is enough. Not Jesus plus, not Jesus and, Jesus alone. In fact, there are five solas of the Reformation. (laughs) Five solas of the Reformation. It is sola gracia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola Christus, Jesus alone. Sola uh, scriptura, the word of God or the scriptures alone. And sola gloria, the glory of God alone. This is what the church at Colossae had been established in. And all of a sudden, there's this infiltration of other doctrines. And so Paul revisits the foundation of the gospel. And that's what we're going to do this year, Converge. We're going to drive out anything and everything that doesn't look like Jesus. Every thought, 
every idea, every belief that you have entertained and considered that does not align with what the scriptures say. It must be sola Christus. Jesus alone. Jesus alone must become enough. No more Jesus plus my political affiliation. No more Jesus plus this philosophy. No more Jesus plus my accomplishments. No more Jesus plus my achievements. No, Jesus alone. And that's what Paul begins to establish. Jesus over everything. And that Jesus is enough. Can I, can I be so bold as to ask you this morning, can I be so bold as to ask you in this moment, is Jesus really enough? Or like the church at Colossae, have you entertained other things? You see, because their struggle was feelings of inadequacy. And when we feel inadequate, it opens our lives to begin to look for validation in other things. <laughs> Listen, when life ain't clicking on all cylinders, you start to ask yourself, is this Jesus thing really enough? <laughs> or do I need to help God out? Remember the old saying, I don't know where it came from, but it is not biblical. It is nowhere in the word of God. Heaven helps those who help themselves. And that's what we resort to when life gets hard. We said, man, maybe I need to help God out because Jesus truly can't be enough. Lord, there was a time when everybody came to Colossae. Now nobody's even talking about us. They're going around us. And when you find yourself, beloved, in a place where you feel inadequate, it will force you, if you let it, if you permit it, if you allow it, it will force you to find validation in other things and from other voices other than God. That's where Colossae is. They had Jesus, but even with Jesus, <laughs> they weren't so important anymore. And I wonder if you find yourself in that place right now where you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for men. You're looking for people. You're looking for things to validate you in ways only God can. And that's where Colossae is. That's where the church at Colossae is. They're looking for men to validate them in ways that only God can. They're turning to intellectualism, enlightened thinking, that if I add this new philosophy to this book, then it will make me feel like something. It'll make me feel really smart because right now this town is drying up and my whole sense of self-worth was tied up in it. And in 2021, the Lord is saying, I need to be enough. I need to be your everything. And I will be exalted. And let me just pump the brakes right there. <laughs> Jesus over everything, which is our declaration, our theme this year. Let me just make it crystal clear to you. <laughs> Jesus over everything is a statement of truth. 
Jesus over everything is a statement of reality. Jesus over everything is a statement of fact. It's not something we're asking permission of. It is a fact that Jesus is exalted and reigns over everything. Whether you accept it or acknowledge it or not, Jesus is over everything. That was established 2,000 years ago with the finished work of the cross. And when we say Jesus over everything, what we're doing is simply aligning our hearts with this divine fact that Jesus already is supreme over everything. We haven't even read the text yet, but we're about to right here <laughs> in verse 15. Because what Paul is doing is he is establishing for their understanding what is already true in all of creation. He's telling the church at Colossae, get with the program because Jesus is already exalted over everything. And it would do you good to begin to align your life with this truth, with this immutable irreversible, irrevocable truth that Jesus is already Lord and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess of things in heaven, of things on earth and of things under the earth that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is already done. You and I just need to come into the realization of it and bring our lives under submission to what is already true in all the universe. So here we go, verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying everything you and I need to know about this invisible God was already expressed and revealed in Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 18 says, no one has seen the Father except the Son who is in the bosom. He has declared him. That word declared means introduced him. So everything we need to know about this invisible God is revealed, is expressed in the person of Jesus. Verse 16, <laughs> Jesus over everything, for by him, who did it? Jesus did it. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible. Listen, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. This is the immutable fact. Jesus is already over everything because all things were created by him they were created for him and they were created through him verse 17 verse 17 says and he is before ha, all things and in him all things consist you know what the scripture says in hebrews chapter 1 it says that all things are held together by the word of his power you know, when, when we sang the song as little kids, he's got the whole world in his hand. That's Jesus over everything. That's Jesus is enough. He's got the whole world in his hand. You know why? Because verse 17 says, in him, in Christ, all things consist. Everything is held together by Jesus. And if you and I are going to experience all that God has planned for us, all he has purposed, all he has designed, <laughs> 
we have to stay connected to the one, the only one, who holds it all in his hands, visible and invisible, of things in heaven and on earth, dominions, thrones, authorities, even principalities and powers. That's why this year, listen to me, it has to be Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I'll say that again. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's why this year it has to be in your life, Jesus over everything. And that's why this year it has to be Jesus plus nothing. We'll read further. Verse 18. This is for the church. This is for you and me. Those of us who name the name of Christ. Verse 18 says that he is the head of the body. The church. Who was the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. Listen. That in all things. All things. Not just some things. All things means in everything. He may have the preeminence. That in everything Jesus has first place. But if Jesus is not in his rightful place in our lives, newsflash, PSA, public service announcement, everything else in your life is out of order. I'll say it again. If Jesus does not have his rightful place in your life, if he doesn't sit enthroned on the seat of your heart, everything else in your life is out of order. It is out of sequence. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Notice what he says, seek first my kingdom and then all these things will be added. Most of us go through life seeking all these things, all these things. In Mark, Matthew chapter 6, he speaks specifically of clothing and raiment, uh, our material needs. Oh, I need a roof over my head. I need a car. I need, and, and, and I need clothes and I, and I need food. And those things are things that God cares about, but we put those things first. And then somewhere at the end of the line, that's where we put Jesus. Jesus says, no, you need to flip the script. The way this thing works is when I have the preeminence, then everything else in your life falls into its proper place. Jesus must have the preeminence. And what Paul is saying to the church at Colossae is, life ain't working for you the way it should because you have mixed your faith with other things. And you know where it stems from? It stems from your feelings of inadequacy. Listen to me. Their feelings of inadequacy led to an identity crisis. Didn't even know who they were. And that identity crisis opened them up and made them susceptible to ideologies that were contrary to the truth of God's word. And because of those ideologies, they opened up their lives to idols. To idols. In the weeks to come, 
as we unpack Colossians chapter 1 and the preeminence of Jesus, we will deal with the feelings of inadequacy that force us to look for this sense of validation and worth in our identity in other things other than Jesus, which pushes us into the wrong ideologies that ultimately lead to idols that we allow to dethrone Jesus in our lives. Idols that we enthrone and that we now begin to worship. As we close, I just want to introduce these thoughts to you because in the weeks to come, I encourage you, invite a friend. Share these messages because these messages will set the tone and tenor and trajectory of your life in 2020 and beyond. Jesus must have the preeminence in your life. Jesus must be supreme in your life. Lest we experience the frustration and the self-sabotage of Colossae. God wants to liberate you from the prison of Colossae. You got Jesus, but you think that you need to add that in your life, Jesus is no longer enough. And it stems from your feeling of inadequacy that is rooted in an identity crisis that subjects you to the wrong ideologies that become idols. I close with this verse in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21, and I find it rather curious that of all the things that John the Beloved could have said as he closed out this epistle, as he closes out this letter, this is the disciple that Jesus loved. Not John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, but this was John the Beloved, the one that is depicted in the Last Supper portrait as the one having his head on Jesus' chest. The one who self-identified as the disciple that Jesus loved. He closes out this letter in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21 with these words. Little children, little children, keep yourselves <laughs> from idols. Amen. Those were his final words in his first letter, his first epistle. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, I know when you and I think of idols, we think of, you know, graven images carved, made by hands, carved out of stone and wood and, and sometimes metals and, and that people bow down and worship. They worship the created thing Romans 1 talks about. We think about uh, the Ten Commandments when God says you shall not have any gods before me and thou shalt not create unto yourself any uh, graven images. And, and that's what we think about. But this morning, as I close out this message, message, God wants to deal with idols in our lives that are not made of stone or, 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 or steel or rock or wood. He wants to deal with the idols, the things that we have elevated, 
the things that we have exalted in our lives that have replaced Jesus. And in the weeks to come, we're going to deal with those idols, those persons and those things that we regard with blind admiration, adoration, and devotion. And sometimes they're people and sometimes they're things. And maybe we've been looking to those people and those things to validate us and to fulfill us in ways that only Jesus can because Jesus is still enough. Jesus is still all we need. Next week, we're going to pick up this message and we're going to talk about what it looks like when we replace our idols with the exalted Christ and give him the preeminence in our lives. And this is how I know it, Converge Nation. This is how I know it. And this is how important this is to us as we begin 2020 and we set the tone for what this year is going to look like. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, if any man would come after me, if any all, if anyone would claim to be a Christ follower, he must first do what? Deny himself. He's talking about idols. He's talking about all the things that take priority and take precedent in our lives over him. He says, rule number one, if we're going to walk together. Rule number one, if you're going to abide in me and I in you, you got to deny yourself. And we're going to confront the idols that have kept us from experiencing the fullness of who Jesus is. Deny yourselves. Take up your cross daily. Not a once-in-a-lifetime decision. A daily decision. And follow me. I don't know about you, but my prayer is that you will say yes to this invitation from Jesus as we close with this verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. Because this year we're rebuilding. We're rebuilding our lives. We're rebuilding our sense of normalcy. We're rebuilding our sense of stability. But notice what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, the second half of verse 10 and then verse 11. It says, but let each one take heed how he builds. Let each one take heed how he builds. Take heed how you build this year. Take heed what you build this year. And notice what he says. He says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Remember I said Jesus over everything is already a fact that is established. That is the foundation that has already been laid. And no one, not you, not me, not anybody else can establish a lasting, firm foundation other than the foundation that has already been laid, and that is Christ Jesus. So this morning, Converge, I want to invite you as we turn to the Lord's table to consider what idols you've exalted in your life. What persons, what things, behaviors that you have allowed 
to take the place of your Savior, Jesus. We're going to cut to this video, and when we come back, we will receive communion together. God bless you. Converge, that song brings back so many memories. I remember growing up in Liberia as a young man and having our family devotions on the Sunday mornings. We didn't go to church together. Uh, my dad would lead us in prayer uh, and uh, we would always sing together. My mom, uh, the Lord rest her soul, who was in the bosom of Jesus, would always lead us in what a friend we have in Jesus. Well, this morning, as we celebrate communion, I'm reminded that you and I have a friend in Jesus. He just doesn't want to be Lord of our lives. He doesn't only want to be Savior, but he also wants to be friend. And that's why we can trust him to be, uh, why we can trust him to be Lord over everything. 
because he loves us as a friend. So this morning, right where you are, if you would take the symbol of the broken body of Jesus, for you it might be a piece of bread, it might be a wafer, you might have communion elements in your home, why don't you take that now? And just as Jesus did, we're going to pray and bless it. And the scripture says, in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you and as often as you eat it, you do it in remembrance of me. You do it in remembrance of our friendship, that I am a friend who sticks closer than a brother, that I am a friend born for adversity. So Lord, I thank you that this symbol of the broken body is blessed to our bodies and our lives to your service in Jesus' name. Take now and eat. Amen. And the scripture says, on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he also took the cup and said, this is my blood which is shed for you. And as often as you drink of this cup, you do so in remembrance of me. Lord, we ask that you bless the cup now. And Lord, I pray that as we drink of the cup, we would be reminded of your friendship, that you loved us so much as your friends, that while we were yet sinners, you died on the cross for us. So, Lord, we receive this cup as blessed to our bodies for the forgiveness of our sins, for the healing of our physical bodies. In Jesus' name, take now and drink. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I pray that today's message was life-giving, and I pray that you will join us for the duration of this series but even beyond the duration of this series, I pray that you will call Converge Church home. Even though we're only meeting virtually, we want to be there to minister to you, to serve you, to pray for you, to stand with you. Uh, whether it's in your moments of successes or your deepest struggles, we want to be there for you. And we want to invite you into fellowship here at Converge Church. If you'd like to do that, if you'd like to call us your church home, shoot us an email at info at weareconverged.com. Someone from our team will respond to you immediately. If you just need prayer, go to our website, click on the prayer request tab, and we'll receive that prayer request, and we will pray for you confidentially. Uh, we want to be here to serve you. Our announcer is coming. Uh, immediately following uh, these words, just to, to let you know how to stay connected and to let you know about some other resources that we have just for you. We love you, God bless you, and we'll see you right here for week two of Supreme next week. God bless you, we'll see you then. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. 
You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.